heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And then, of course, in Acts chapter 8 and verse 1, it says, The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach, until in the day which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. Notice it says there, of all that, all that Jesus began both to do and teach. You know, we're to continue in all the things that Jesus taught. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen in them forty days, speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, being assembled together with them, commanded them they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall baptize with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth. So tonight we'll look at God's purpose, briefly just God's purpose for the church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the privilege and opportunity we have to be assembled here together tonight, and we thank you that we have a nice bill and comfortable place to meet, and thank you for your blessings. Uh, we pray as we look into the Word of God tonight, and as we have a business meeting, that you would be glorified. Uh, give us unity of heart and mind, spirit, to do your will and to glorify you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the purpose of the church is, according to Acts chapter 1, is to continue the work to do and to teach what Jesus began. And, and so uh, one of the, the testimony of Jesus was in John eight twenty nine, He that sent me is with me. The Father hath not let me alone, left me alone. For I do always those things that please him. And so our testimony as a church should be to do the things that pleases the Lord. Pleases the Lord. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whether therefore ye eat or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Uh, That covers everything in life, from A to Z. It's it's a comprehensive... uh, Ephesians 3.20 says there will be glory in the church. But the natural tendency of churches is to become complacent and then to compromise and then apostasy. You know, all those churches of Revelation were biblical churches. But the very first one in, in, in uh, Revelation chapter 2, the church at Ephesus, though there was many commendable things, they were in danger of losing their candlestick because they'd left their first love. Uh, and it's, that's easy. You know, there was not the devotion, the fervent, the uninhibited, new, first saved love. And sometimes we can get, become so busy maintaining the church that we forget about our relationship with the Lord and His purpose for us. And uh, so, so we, we must maintain our separation. We must not forget our adoration. We have, must have both. 
we are to earnestly contend for the faith. That's part of doing all that Jesus commanded us to do. Uh, Jude 1 says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, need for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. You know, it's easy to lose that first love. It's easy to compromise the truth of the Word of God. Uh, Paul wrote uh, in Acts twenty twenty seven. he said, For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. And again, we see in Matthew, in verse 20, it says, Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So we're, we're not to teach just the things we like that are positive. We have to teach the things that, that thou shalt not also. There has to be a balance uh, in our approach, in our practice. Uh, there needs to be genuine love for the Lord. Of course, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. And, you know, Jesus told us in John, told his disciples in John 14, he defined what it is to love him, what it is to love the Lord. In John 14, verses 23 and 24, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. So there's a commandment here to keep the words of God. You know, we have to guard them. You know, that, that kind of idea of protection there. He's given us responsibility to guard his word, but also to, to use it as a guard for our own life. Uh, to, you know, keep an eye on, not only to obey it, but cherish it as valuable. Preserve it of something of value. For it is. It is of utmost importance. What's First Thessalonians 5.20, I believe it is, says, despise not prophesying. Preaching of thy word. So there has to be a preeminence on the word of God. Uh, Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. So there should be this thirst for the word of God. Uh, there needs to be also a compassion for the lost. You know, the second commandment he gave was, second, was like unto the first, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Uh, so if you love God, and of course this corresponds if you, if, you know, with love for God, because God so loved the world, so this corresponds with it. If you love God, you will have a love for mankind or desire to see them delivered from the fires of hell, just as you have been. 1 John 4.20 says, If man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that... For he that loveth not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? You know, really, we demonstrate our love for God. One way we demonstrate our love for God is by loving those whom he's created. You know, every man, every man, woman, boy, and girl is a creation of God. Uh, you know, the Bible calls in Acts 17 the offspring of God. So they were created by God in the, in the, in the image of God. And so we ought to have a love for them. You know, Jesus had a compassion on the multitudes, Matthew chapter 9 tells us. And, and so, so we need to have that compassion. So there needs to be a balance there. We have to love God with all our heart. We need to be willing to earnestly contend for the faith. But we also need to love and have compassion for the souls of men. And, and so uh, you know, there needs to be this, this balance. You know, if we compromise the truth of the Word of God... We damage our witness. 
for the Lord. And we see an example of this in 1 Kings chapter 13. Turn over there for a minute. 1 Kings chapter 13. <clears throat> 1 Kings 13. Jeroboam has, of course, he's the first king of the divided kingdom. What's now, you know, once the, once the nation of Israel divided into two, two parts... Israel was known as the northern ten tribes, and the two southern tribes were known as Judah. So he's become the king over what they would call Israel or Samaria. And so he sets up these, these uh, uh, golden calves in Dan and Bethel. So, you know, it was, it was, you know, it's inconvenient to go to Jerusalem to worship at the temple. So, so he, he set up these, these uh, uh, places of worship to make it easy for the people in Dan and Bethel, which... which uh, were idols. But anyway, in, verse, in chapter 13 it says, And behold, there came a man of God out of Judah by the word of the Lord unto Bethel. And Jeroboam stood by the altar of burnt incense. And he cried against the altar and the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus saith the Lord, Behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David, Josiah by name. And upon thee shall he offer the priests of the high places that burn incense upon thee, and men's bones shall be burnt upon it. We heard about that in Sunday school class just a couple weeks ago that that actually did happen, and just as this prophet said. Verse 3 says, And he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is a sign which the Lord has spoken. Behold, the altar shall be rent, and the ashes that are upon it shall be poured out. And it came to pass, when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God, which he had cried against the altar in Bethel, that he put forth his hand from the altar, saying, Lay hold on him. And his hand which he put forth against him dried up, so he could not pull it in again to him. The altar also was rent, and the ashes poured out from the altar, according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. You know, that's enough to get your attention, isn't it? I mean, his hand, you know, just, just dried up. And, and then in verse 6 it says, And the king answered and said unto the man of God, I treat now the face of the Lord thy God, and pray for me, that my hand may be restored to me again. And the man of God besought the Lord, and the king's hand was restored him again. And the became as it was before. And the king said unto the man of God, Come home with me and refresh thyself, and I will give thee a reward. And the man of God said unto the king, If thou wilt give me half thine house, I will not go in with thee, neither will I eat bread nor drink water in this place. For so it was charged me by the word of the Lord, saying, Eat not bread, no bread, nor drink water, nor turn again by the same way that thou camest. So he went another way, and returned not by the way that he came to Bethel. Now there dwelt an old prophet in Bethel, and his sons came and told him all the words that works that the man of God had done that day in Bethel, the words which he had spoken unto the king, them they told also to their father. And their father said unto them, What way went he? For his sons had seen what way the man of God went, which came from Judah. He said unto his sons, Saddle him in the ass. So they saddled him in the ass, and he rode thereupon. He went after the man of God, and found him sitting under an oak. And he said unto him, Art thou the man of God that camest from Judah? And he said, I am. Then he said unto him, Come home with me and eat bread. And he said, I may not return with thee, nor go in with thee, neither will I eat bread nor drink water with thee in this place. For it was said to me by the word of the Lord, Thou shalt not eat no bread nor drink water there, nor turn again to go by the way that thou camest. And he said unto him, I am a prophet also, as thou art. And an angel spake unto me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with thee into thine house, that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied unto him. So he went back with him, and did eat bread in his house, and drank water. 
And it came to pass as he sat at the table that the word of the Lord came unto the prophet that brought him back. And he cried unto the man of God that came from Judah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, for as much as thou hast disobeyed the mouth of the Lord, hast not kept the commandment which the Lord thy God commandeth thee, but camest back and hast eaten bread and drunk water in the place of, of the which the Lord did say to thee, Eat no bread and drink no water, thy carcass shall not come unto the sepulcher of thy fathers. And it came to pass, after he had eaten bread and after he had drunk, that he saddled for him the ass, to wit, for the prophet whom he had brought back. And when he was gone, a lion met him by the way and slew him. And his carcass was cast into the way, and the ass stood by it, and the lion also stood by the carcass. And behold, men passed by and saw the carcass cast in the way, and the lion standing by the carcass. And they came and told it in the city where the old prophet dwelt. And when the prophet that dwelt, brought him back from the way heard thereof, he said, It is a man of God who is disobedient unto the Lord, uh, therefore, under the word of the Lord. Therefore the Lord hath delivered him unto the lion, which hath torn him, and slain him according to the word of the Lord, which he spake uh, to him. And, and then drop down to verse 33. <clears throat> After this thing, Jeroboam returned not from his evil way, but made again of the lowest of the people priests of the high places. Whosoever would, he consecrated him. He became one of the priests in the, of the high places. And this thing became sin unto the house of Jeroboam, even to cut it off and destroy it from off the face of the earth. If you notice, one of the things that was, they, they, everybody that passed by came into the city and told. You know what? His prophecy didn't have any effect. Didn't change a thing. I mean, I mean, this is some pretty radical things that happened when he pronounced this judgment upon the house, uh, uh, upon this, these altars. I mean, the altar was rent, and the ashes fell out, and, and then Jeroboam's hand just withered up, and Jeroboam you know, begged him to cry unto God for him, and he did, and it was made whole again. And, and he offers him to eat, and he says, No, God forbid me. What a false prophet. Or a compromising prophet, I should say. Lied to him and compromised his voice, his word. Therefore, it had little to no effect. Because they went right back to the same thing they were doing before. So, so there needs to be a balance. We have to keep the faith. Uh, Jude tells us to keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy. Jude 1, 21-23. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some having compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, heating even the garments spotted by the flesh. And so uh, we are, we are to uh, contend for the faith. We need a genuine love for it. But I want you to notice the second Second thing we see here is the program for the church, and that is to multiply and reproduce itself. And, and we see that, of course, in Matthew 28 and Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Uh, verse 8 says that you receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. And we know that from the, the book of Acts that, that after the day of Pentecost, when the disciples were empowered... They weren't, they weren't filled that day where they were empowered with the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and, and they were empowered, and, and then they began to go, and, and then persecution came. They scattered, the believers scattered, went everywhere. Acts chapter 8, verse tells us, 
verse 4 tells us, they went everywhere preaching the gospel. Philip goes down to Samaria and preaches the gospel there, and people get saved, and the church is established, and, and they go into other places and, and throughout Judea and Samaria, and they begin to go into the uttermost parts of the world. Of course, you come to Acts chapter 13, and the first evangelists, really, that's the right word for it, evangelists were sent out, or missionaries we call them today, Paul and Barnabas were sent out in, in Acts chapter 13, and, and they go to the unknown parts of the world, uh, to, to places like Thessalonica, of whom it was written in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God word is spread abroad, so we need not speak anything. See, every every person in that church was involved in evangelism and they spread the word wherever they went. They took the gospel with them. It was who they were. It was who they were. And so the gospel went with them because it was their life, the life of God in them. You know, if we have the life of God in them, we take that life with us wherever we go. And so, so we are commanded to reach out. And of course, you know, it requires, a love for the Lord requires, is demonstrated by giving. You know, really, the word love in the New Testament really is defined as giving. Giving. Now, that's more than just money. It's giving of yourself. But, of course, the, the way that we go into all the world is through giving. In uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. <clears throat> says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit the grace of God bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia, how in the great trial of affliction the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift, take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints, and this we did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord. That's the key to all giving right there. They gave them own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Insomuch that we desired Titus, that as he had begun, so we would, he would also finish in you that same grace also. So they gave them own selves. Now they, not only did they give their finances, they gave their time, they gave their labor. Uh, Romans 12, 8 says, He that giveth uh, give with simplicity. We're to do it with simplicity. And, and so we are to give. And, and uh, we are to give so that, so that others can go uh, to places that we, we can't go. Uh, and, you know, through missions, we are partnering with other churches, other ministries to reach into other parts of the world where we, we ourselves may not go. You know, Taiwan, Russia, Greenland, uh, you know, other Arctic regions, different places of the world, India, Florida. And, and this is the purpose. And the purpose of missions, understand the purpose of missions is not just evangelism. In fact, evangelism isn't complete without establishing churches. If you look at Matthew 28 again, and 
Verse 19 and 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. We maybe could define that as evangelism, winning people the loss. But baptism, baptism is entrance into a church. First uh, Corinthians 12, 13 tells us that. And then it says, teaching them to observe all things, whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So, you know, the purpose of missions is not just preaching the gospel, it's establishing churches. You know, wherever Paul and Barnabas went, what did they do? Well, they preached the gospel with the purpose of baptizing the believers and starting a church, leaving a church behind. Uh, and, and, of course, you know, he went back, later he went back and... and and visited all these churches, some of these churches he went back to and visited a little later to establish them. But his purpose was to establish churches so that they could go on and establish churches. That's how we got here. Because churches established churches out of the, out of the Mediterranean area, and they began to spread the gospel into other parts of the world, and they got to England, and they came from England over to here. You know, this is God's method. See people saved and added to churches. And so, you know, this love is demonstrated by giving, uh, you know, for our own church, reach our own area for missions, and so that, uh, so that laborers also can go. You know, Acts chapter 13. <clears throat> In Acts chapter 13, you know, we ought to give... And we're going to talk a little bit about this in the business meeting tonight. Thinking about this thing of giving so that laborers to, for laborers to go. But in Acts 13, verses 2 and 3, it says, And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Now, what you have here is... Verse 1 tells us that these Barnabas, Simeon, Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, which had brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. So all these were ministering or on pastoral staff at the church of Antioch. But they're praying about what the Lord would have them do. So, so they're praying, seeking the will of God, and the Lord said, You separate me, Barnabas and Saul, and send them out. Now, the Bible doesn't explicitly tell us that they supported them financially. But I'll guarantee you they, they supplied some of their needs. Now, and, you know, back in those days, they didn't have the conveniences that we have today. You know, you can do, we can, we can so easily send money around the world until the war in Ukraine, you know. But, but you know, it, it's, it's, it's basically very easy to support missionaries today. You know, back in those days, and, and I, you, know, you read some missionary biographies even in the uh, 1800s late, and the early 1900s, you know, that they may get, uh, every six months they may get a shipment or something or funds or, you know, it was, it was much more difficult. Uh, they still could, but, and even these days it had been much, it, much more difficult, but yet it, it was possible. And we do know that Paul said the church of Philippi sent once and again. Under his necessity, and that was the church he started. 
So, so they were supplying. These, the pattern we see here is that the churches supplied, uh, help supply, uh, the needs for the missionaries to go. Of course, they, they worked as well. Uh, Paul built tents. But, so we should be praying about, you know, preparing and preparing for the Lord to send laborers into his harvest from our church. They don't necessarily have to go to a foreign field. America has become a mission field. America is a mission field. Do you realize that some countries are sending missionaries here? Philippines sending missionaries here. And so, so this is God's program for the church. Uh, and his practice, God's desired practice is participation from everyone. You know, everyone can do something. Not everyone can go. Not everyone can pastor. Not everyone can to lead to singing. Not everyone can do every job. But everyone can do something. Now, there's some things every one of us can do. We can give. We can pray. Those two things are very important. And we can witness. Every one of us can witness. In fact, we're commanded. It's not, a, it's not a, well, if I want to or not. It's a command. We're to go into all the world. That command was not given to the 12 disciples. It was given to the church. That's, that's us. That's us. So the, those are general things that we all can do. And so we need to all participate in this. And as Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, you know, there was, of course, divisions at Corinth. But he said in verse 9, We are laborers together with God. We are laborers together with God. And so we need each do our part. We need each do our part. Uh, as members of the body of Christ. Members in particular. And so uh, we need to do our part at giving out and participation that the gospel may go forth both here and around the world uh, for his glory and for his honor.